Family, did you know that we are the most connected society in human history, and yet we are also the most lonely? It's scary. Researcher Johan Hari, for his recent book, Lost Connections, studied Americans, asking, how many close friends do you have that you can turn to in crisis? Years ago, the most common answer was around five. Today, the most common answer he found was zero. When asked, how many people know you well, the most common answer was nobody. U.S. studies in 2018 and 19 show that the younger we are in the U.S., the lonelier we are. Generation Z, those born between 97 and 2012, consists of the loneliest generation on record, with over 65% of those studied indicating their sense of loneliness. A U.S. study in 2020 showed that 73% of heavy social media users struggle with loneliness. One in three Americans now over the age of 45 are lonely. Loneliness drastically increases the risk of mortality and various diseases, heart disease among the leading, and it is now showing itself to be similar and at times more harmful for us than obesity, alcoholism, and smoking. Not to mention its direct link to the exponential rise of anxiety, depression, and suicide, especially among our young ones, girls in particular. It's scary. This reality has so moved the UK that in 2018, they appointed the first ever Minister of Loneliness to try to combat its devastating grip on approximately 9 million Brits. How did we get here? How do we fix this? And what does this have anything to do with 1 Corinthians 12? Everything. It has everything to do with what we'll be seeing this morning. There are very complex answers to how we got here in society with many suggested remedies, but I would like to hone in on one cause that I believe plays a most influential role in the rise of our loneliness. Namely, we've lost our sense of community, true embodied community, the place in which we find true identity and purpose. Carl Truman, a Christian theologian and historian suggests in his recent book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, that we have become plastic people in a fluid world. Plastic people in a fluid world. Social media being 
a significant driver in this new reality. Americans are now constantly molding and remolding our identities within pseudo-communities or hollow communities that come and go with the waves of sensational topics and issues of our day. MIT professor Sherry Turkle shows in her book, Alone Together, that in this digital world, we have replaced true community for swarms. Swarms assemble, disperse, and come together again from one occasion to another, each time guided by different shifting relevancies and attracted by changing and moving targets. When community is formed online, she suggests, news outlets included, it almost inevitably forms a swarm. Christian author Jeffrey Bilbro in his book, Reading the Times, concludes that such swarms or collections of individuals do not provide a clear sense of identity or purpose for their members. And they do not have the structure necessary to accomplish much of substance. When they form, they burn hot and then quickly go out and its members need to find again their sense of identity and purpose elsewhere. Transformative movements, Bilbro says, requires thick, embodied community. This reality is a great danger for Christians especially across the political spectrum. The brand of news that we consume, whether liberal or conservative, seems to be defining our identities more than anything else these days. Where do we find our identity, family? Our sense of belonging and purpose. Where do we find meaning and value in this life? Bilbro concludes, when our communities aren't formed around shared attention to God, other focal points will spring up and seize control of our attention and loyalty. His appeal to us all, a sustained focus on our membership in the body of Christ will help Christians stay rooted in a profound sense of belonging with true, satisfying identity and purpose. A sustained focus on our membership in the body of Christ. Let's draw our attention to the word of God now to see and behold the marvelous riches of our community the church, to find our security within. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you rule and reign. Thank you that you have so revealed yourself to us and called us into your family. Open the eyes of our heart to see and behold marvelous things from your word this morning to see and behold the riches of knowing you 
and the inheritance of the saints in your church family, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're picking up where we left off last week, and I'm actually going to pick up on the last two verses of where Tom left off. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 13. Daryl has Bibles for anyone who uh, could use one. Scripture's up on the display as well. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. I'm picking up where Pastor Tom left off last week, but highlighting an important emphasis here for our focus this morning. The first marvelous feature of our community in the church is that we are one. We are one. There is a deep spiritual unity in our plurality. Don't overlook the structural emphasis of these two verses. One, many, many, one. Christ. One, all, one, all, one. Paul's emphasis is clear. Christ is central, the one body, second, and the many members, third, but all in one. In our community, we have the most profound sense of belonging that exists. Why? Because we have a minister of loneliness, the minister of loneliness, as our head, the God-man, Jesus Christ. You heard of him? He who came 2,000 years ago, lived the life we should have lived, died the death that we deserve, so that in his rejection, abandonment, and loneliness on the cross, we would have acceptance and security in the family of God forever. Amen? His rejection on earth for our adoption in heaven. And for those who believe in this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, you are spiritually born again into the family of God. We are children of God, heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus Christ himself. And nothing can break these eternal bonds. That's unity. There are many of us. The more the merrier, right? Sure but also the more the messier? Huh? Yeah. But guess what? That's okay here. That's okay here in this community. That's the design of this community. 
Left, right, black, Asian, Spanish, white, rich, poor, city, suburban, boomer, millennial, Gen Z, one? Do we really think this is possible? God says, that is exactly the community that I purchased through my son's death. Tough, huh? My kingdom is forged with a variety of precious metals. You want in? Or do you prefer that popsicle stick palace of yours, upheld by swarms of the same flavor? I tell you the truth. Only one will last. Unity, not uniformity, as we will see next. Unity is the controlling theme of our passage this morning. Unity in our plurality. Unity in diversity. Unity in ministry. Let's read the next large section, verses 14 through 27, and behold the second marvelous feature of our church community, namely our unity in diversity. Verses 14 through 27. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable on those we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Unfortunately, I can only spend a little time on this major chunk of scripture this morning. However, I will refer you to a previous sermon that I preached just about two years ago, which you'll find linked to this sermon online from our Rooted in the Faith series, the, the, the Doctrine of the Church Part 2. I spend more time on this passage if you're interested. For this morning, I want to highlight just a few things from this chunk. The first is that last line, which reveals the whole significance of the metaphor. You are the body of Christ. 
each one of you as members, limbs, and organs, and all of you together as his body. This applies, of course, to each local church and the church universal across the world, across the spectrum of time. This is who we are. The visible, living presence and activity of Jesus Christ himself in the world. That's meaning. That's value. The second important note here is that each one of us as members are different in a variety of ways. And that's purposeful. This is God's plan for his community. There is no superiority or inferiority of value in the church. We are all in need of each other. We must see and understand this. Getting this, grasping a hold of this, will make or break your experience as a Christian in the family of God. It will. Independent Christians who keep a distance from the body, rarely show up, maybe show up occasionally at best, they actually bring atrophy or paralysis to the body and to themselves. Independent members deprive the body of its nutrients through its lack of contribution without which we degenerate. Look, I know this might be a tough word to hear. I'm just the messenger. This is not my design. But it's vital that we grasp this. Independence, pride, complacency, these things are atrophy to the body. If we are together, Christ's body, then we need each other. Not only for the health of the body as a whole, but also for each member so that every individual would thrive at full potential. Disjointed limbs hinder their own health and that of the body. The irony is that we often tell ourselves the very things that we actually just read in the text. I don't really need to go to church. I don't really need to get to know others. I don't need any help. I don't need any resource. I don't need any prayer, any encouragement, any comfort or counsel from others. I don't really need to serve anywhere. That's what they're all for. Besides, there's nowhere that fits for me. Plus, I'm not like the others. 
or we convince ourselves, my schedule is just so packed these days, so busy. I couldn't possibly fit in anything else. And then we wonder, why don't I feel this joy that I keep hearing about? Why don't I, why can't I grow stronger? Why am I still so weak? Why can't I kick this habit? Why am I so unsettled? Why am I so lonely? Why am I so anxious and depressed, so unsatisfied? You might be dismembered. Family, don't let the power saws of culture amputate you from the body. Between social media, to all our online platforms, to Amazon, Grubhub, DoorDash, Instacart, why go anywhere anymore? It all comes to me. You can have all you need at your fingertips. The world whispers in your ear as it shackles you to your couch and profits while you decompose. This is real, family. I'm not just writing poetry for you all. Right? You're with me, right? This is real. Step in. Step in, family. Draw closer. Next time you look to Netflix or a purchase for satisfaction or post a picture or a video for recognition or play a video game for a sense of mission and accomplishment or nourish in the news for your identity. Stop yourself and remind yourself, I am a child of God, a member of Jesus' living body. I need them. They need me. The world needs us. We have purpose. And then hit me up. <laughs> Give me a call. Or call us here at the church. Let us know how we can fit you in, plug you in, serve you, get you to serve. Call a friend here in the body and connect with them in person. Join a group. Sign up for one of the connecting events, men's, women's coming up in the future, for the family events coming up. Step in. Join a service team, a care team, outreach team. God says that he has so composed this body so that we would have the same honor and the same care for one another. When we understand this and our need for one another it strengthens us, it protects us from division, and it astounds the world as they look in at us and say, who is like them who loves each other selflessly? Who is like them 
who cares for one another sacrificially? Who is like them, so peaceful and joyful in the midst of this crazy world? Let God be true. Amen? Amen. Can I just reinforce this step one point further, this point one step further by what? You had enough? Too much? <laughs> uh, verse 18. Verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Let me ask you, why exactly do you think that you're here? You moved for work? Better schools? Stay closer to family? Sure. Maybe. In part. But we better be absolutely sure that God has brought you here and he has a purpose for you here. He wants you here. This verse says every single one of you. Let me just make sure we get this. Every single one of you. God has a purpose for you here. God brought you here. You need us. We need you. Every single one of you. Uniquely, wonderfully made with gifts and strengths and personality that only you can bring to this church. We need you, every single one of you. God has brought here. I am no greater or lesser than you. I'm just trying to carry out my role here in the body which includes wearing this wire on my head. <laughs> what, that? The stage? That's just fancy decor. I am with you. We are on the same level. God has a purpose for every single one of you. Mike, how much our family needed you this fall, huh? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being there for us. Every single one of you uniquely and wonderfully made with gifts and strengths and personality that only you can bring. God has placed you here. Every single one of you. We need you. You need us. Do you know your role here? I love my role here in the body. I love this body. We need you. Every single one of you. God has brought here for a purpose. God has placed in the body every 
one of you, just as he desires. Amen? Amen. Let's make sure we know this when we walk away today. Let's finish reading the chapter, verses 28 through 31. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I show you a still more excellent way. Again, God has appointed in the church or sets in place all of his people with all of his gifts for his unique purposes. He's the one who chooses and places each one of us in certain roles so that we all function in one accord. The series of rhetorical questions emphasizes no, no, no. No one of you has all that it takes to sustain and grow God's community. We need each other. That's God's design. Paul hammers home the marvelous feature of our unity in diversity again here, but specifically with respect to our call to ministry together and the need for varied gifts among us. The greater gifts here simply refers to those gifts that most edify the church. Uh, recalling verse 7 from the chapter that all gifts exist for the common good, for the building up of the church. So here in these final verses, Paul summarizes the whole chapter highlighting our profound unity in diversity for the purpose of our ministry to one another and the world. And next week, Pastor John will show us the more excellent way which binds us to Christ and to one another. So, family, as we can see from this text that we just read, our need for belonging and security is met in the assurance, I belong to the body of Christ. Our need for, identi for, for identity is met in recognizing I am a valued part of the body and have a distinct contribution to this body. Our need for purpose is met in I need you, you need me, we need each other, and the world needs us. Why keep looking for value, identity, and purpose in hollow communities that only enslave you to thirst for more when the real thing is right here. John Bunyan, an English writer and Puritan preacher from the 17th century wrote a timeless fiction, The Pilgrim's Progress. In it, a young man named Christian is on a pilgrimage to the celestial city. At one point in the book, a character named Faithful 
comes to the foot of a hill, a steep hill, called Difficulty. At the foot, he meets an old man who's sweet and takes a liking to Faithful. His name is Adam I. He invites Faithful to his home and to his community called Deceit to stay with him for plenty of wages. Faithful inquires about his community and these wages. Adam I says, from my work, there are many delights, and of my wages, you will be my heir. You will live with me as long as I live, and my three daughters, they are yours. Their names, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What say you, the sweet old man asks Faithful? And Faithful later recounts to his friend Christian, at first, I found myself inclined to go with the man, for he was a kind fellow. But then, it came burning hot into my mind. Whatever he said, and however he flattered, I knew that when he got me home to his house, he would sell me for a slave. Who or what is luring you into its company, family? Flee from it. Draw near to God. Only in Christ and his community, the church, will you find your true identity, meaning, and purpose in this life. There is only one true God, one hope, one Savior, one spirit, one body, one life. Make it count. Let's get it, family. In this place, we are not alone together as the world is. We are advancing together as Christ is. Amen? Hallelujah. Which leads me to our corporate application this morning regarding where we are and how we are advancing together as a church in the months ahead. Three times in our passage this morning, we saw that God is the one who composes this body like a masterpiece mosaic, placing each one of us together. We need to remember that as we move into our future. As the new interim lead pastor of this church, I can assure you, God is at work here. One year ago, you couldn't find a single person that could have told you we would be where we are today. With our staff transitions and a whole new wave of new individuals and families among us, all within one year, it's been a whirlwind at times. But we praise God and take great comfort knowing that Jesus is still shepherding this church and he is leading us forward. So, in the months ahead, 
I, along with the elders, pastors, and the staff, will be earnestly seeking God's vision for our church in the short term and the long term. And we need you, we need you to seek the Lord with us. I want to briefly clarify something here. When I talk about God's vision for this church, I'm referring to seeing what God sees in us and through us. If we believe that God has uniquely made each one of us and has assembled us into this unique body to exist in this particular time and place, then we have distinct kingdom purposes in the universal mission of God. It is our goal in the season ahead to carefully discern and clarify the unique resources and opportunities that God has brought together in us at Riverstone. And in view of our renewed composition here, we believe this is a great time to facilitate this work together. And we need you to participate. We believe that the first phase of this work ahead should include seeking God's vision by first seeing our composition. Seeking God's vision by seeing our composition. Who and what has the Lord brought together in us? What is our collective potential? What are the unique opportunities for kingdom impact in us and around us? This is what we want to set out to discover and clarify. Your participation in this work is not only invaluable, it's necessary. We need you, every one of you, valued members of this church body. So, in the months ahead, we will be referring to our vision development work as advancing together. This is a short-term work together toward fulfilling our long-term mission of, it's not posted right now, usually it is, advancing the gospel, the mission of Riverstone Church, advancing the gospel by making disciples who make disciples. So in this short-term initiative work, advancing together, this will consist of three efforts. Prayer, focus meetings, and a church survey, okay? All consisting of phase one and advancing together. First, we ask that you all either continue to be praying or be praying specifically for us as we seek the Lord's insights in the months ahead. We will be praying as a church in a variety of ways, facilitating a, a variety of prayer initiatives together. And we ask that you also be praying for fruitful focus meetings coming up. Shortly after Easter, toward the end of April, we'll begin facilitating focus meetings. This is important for all of us. In these one hour to one hour and 15 minute max meetings, we're looking to facilitate small group discussions and reflections on what you perceive to be some of the greatest strengths and opportunities that the Lord has brought together in us at Riverstone. We want this time to be comfortable and enjoyable 
for your participation. I promise that you will not have to share out loud if you don't want to. Which is why we'll be facilitating this, having these discussions in small groups of about three to four during our time. You'll also receive the three questions within a few days prior to the focus meeting that you sign up for. And we'll get to that in a second. So that you have an idea of how to be thinking and praying or preparing if you want. Otherwise, you don't need to. You can just show up and there'll be time to to think and reflect together uh, during, during the time in these meetings. Right now, we have seven scheduled meetings scattered across seven weeks at all hours of the week. Some are during children and youth nights, intentionally. One is online. Others are in the morning, afternoon, evening. We did this so that you will all have a chance to make it. Even if you just recently started attending Riverstone, we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. We want you to attend. Everyone is invited and strongly encouraged. Teens, you too. Families, bring your teens as well. We need to hear from you. You are valued members of the church. Each meeting will be capped at 30 people. So registration is, requ- is required on the website. You can sign up right after service, get starting right after service. It'll be right online on the homepage. If you need assistance with signing up, come see one of our members at the welcome desk. I'll be sending out a video to just summarize this initiative, the first phase of advancing together in the next week or so, um, just to follow up and for those who may have missed uh, the, the service this morning or just to continue to reinforce how we're moving forward. And if we need to add more meetings because they're so full, which is what we're going to get to, right? Then we will. We'll just add more meetings. No problem at all. Family, the point is we really want to hear from you. We need your participation in this. We want to see and clarify who and what God has brought together in us as we, as we continue to seek the Lord and clarify our vision, his vision for this church, moving into this next season of life. Family, this is the time when you can draw nearer to our body here at Riverstone and participate in this vital function. We really hope that you will join us in prayer and that you'll participate in the movement of this body by signing up for one of these focus meetings in the weeks ahead. We're excited that you're part of this body, and we're excited to be advancing together in this next season of life and ministry at Riverstone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we would sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Let your work appear to us, your servants, and your majesty to our children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Lord, unite us all the more in the days ahead. Draw us to yourself. Give us a hunger and a zeal for you, for this body, and for our impact in the world around us. Oh, God, that you would get the glory and honor in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who do not yet know you, 
and do not know what it's like to be a member of your eternal family, we pray that you would awaken faith in their heart today, O oh God, and draw them in to you and this body we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you, family.